Thank you for listening to this message from Tree of Life Church. Our prayer is that it will be a blessing to you and that you will find it helpful for life. So open up your heart to receive God's word for you. How's everybody's week been so far? Has it been good? You know, I just violated a rule. Avi asked me if I would sit still for about 90 seconds. I was like, man, you know how hard that is for me? My gosh, I can't sit still for three seconds. I'm glad it's been a good week. Um, I got to tell you, tonight's message uh, has kind of been percolating in me for a while. And over the past couple of weeks, I've just uh, been marinating kind of in the Lord's presence on this. The, the pastoral staff decided there were some things we wanted to teach leading up to Easter uh, to just better equip you. You know, Ephesians tells us in, in chapter four that it's our job to equip the body for the work of the ministry. So God holds us accountable for that. And so tonight is one of those messages. I want to do some equipping. I want to put some tools in your toolbox on a topic that I, I don't know about you, but in my life, when I first got saved, it was at 19 and, uh, Let's just say I'd been, in the, I'd been in the world. I had had no discipleship, and I immediately stepped into a church that was very small. Uh, when I say very small, there was three men in it, and that's including the senior pastor myself, and I'm stretching it because the other one was his eight-year-old son. <laughs> so it's a faith statement. Um, <laughs> and I needed someone to disciple me. I needed someone to teach me, and, and I wasn't taught that and he asked me to do some things that he didn't prepare me for, and it, it kind of messed me up inside. And it was something that ought to bring us joy, and that's evangelism. So tonight, that's what we're gonna talk about. I titled this message, It's Three O'Clock. You're gonna know what that is in a minute. Living a lifestyle of evangelism. Uh, you can have access to our notes through our app, it's called Live Notes, it's awesome. I'm trying to step that way and use those more myself. I'm a pen and paper kind of guy, but I am stretching myself to use that. If you have a tablet, uh, it's not maximized for a tablet yet, so you go to our website, and then there's a tab that you can click on that says Live Notes, and you'll be able to follow along on the screen, and it's the exact same thing as you see on the app. It's just designed for your tablet. Before we jump in, I want to pray really, really quick just for this evening. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to gather under your name. And Lord, I pray for anointing to not only preach your word, but for your anointing to receive your word tonight. That's what we need. If I get up here and there's no anointing, it's just a motivational talk. And truthfully, people have better things to do with their time. So we thank you for your anointing. And Father, we know that as we go through your word, it's going to accomplish that which it was set forth to do. It's your promise. So prepare our hearts, prepare our minds, help us to lay aside any distractions that we're thinking about so that we can focus on you and leave here transformed and changed and better equipped to walk out this life as a Christian. And we ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, what he did, because I know you're going, well, what did he do? Uh, the very first Saturday, we go to church on Sunday. He says, you're a dude. Aren't any dudes in the church? 
So you and me, we're going to do some stuff. So the very next Saturday, he comes and he knocks on my door. <laughs> and he says, hey, jump in the car. We're going to go evangelizing. And I went, okay. And he drove us into this neighborhood that was, that was a little on the rough side. And he literally, this was, this was his talk. Okay, I'm going to park right here. We're going to get out. I'm going to head that way three blocks and hit all those houses. You head that way, head up, hit every house, knock on the door, and here's, here's what you need to say to them. Hi, I'm here to ask you if you know Jesus. And if you don't, do you know that you're going to hell? That was a bit of a bumpy thing for me as a 19-year-old babe in the Lord in a rough neighborhood. I'm like, man, I came from a hood like this. This is, is going to get bumpy. And door after door after door after door got slammed in my face. I had people say some not so pleasant things. And can I tell you that with each door that slammed, I got knotted up inside real bad. And I began to dread Saturdays. I'll tell you the truth. There was a couple times that I volunteered to work overtime at work, and I even told him, you don't even have to pay me OT. I will just come in, man. Does the janitor need a break? I, I'm just being real because it was painful. And I knew that this thing that Jesus had done in my heart, rescuing this broken, busted hood rat, was such a joyful experience for me. So why was this bringing me so much pain and turmoil? And so that's what we want to go through tonight. I hopefully want to equip you to live a lifestyle of evangelism. You see, there is a supernatural gift of an evangelist. It's one of the, it's one of the five-fold ministries. We can read about it in Ephesians 4. But that's not what I'm talking about. Those guys are guys like Billy Graham. I, I encourage you, go on Google, watch one of his crusades. I promise you, Billy Graham has a supernatural gift. He would, he would get up in front of crowds of thousands, sneeze, and 1,500 people would come to the Lord. It's like, oh my gosh. That's the gift. That's the office of an evangelist. But yet we see in the word that we are all called to evangelize, but yet we don't all walk in that office. And we see that in Matthew 28, 19. Jesus is, is getting ready to ascend into heaven for the last time. He's given some instructions to his disciples. And it's called the Great Commission. He says, therefore, go and make disciples. And if we look at that, it wasn't, <laughs> it doesn't look like there's a whole lot of room for discussion or misinterpretation. He said, go do it. You're mine, go do it. And then he told them what they needed to do. He said, hey, go teach them everything that I've taught you, get them baptized, and that's what you need to do with your life now. That is your mission. And can I tell you this? I meet with a lot of people, a lot of individuals that are going through life as Christians and they feel like there's some things lacking in their life. If we don't walk in the fullness of what God's asked us to do, we will always be lacking. Because he's spoken to us, he's given us some things to do and when we step out in those things and there's a blessing that comes and there's a fulfillment that comes. So when he said, go make disciples, if we're not out there telling people about Jesus and making disciples, then there is a, there's a discrepancy with what we call ourselves and with our actions. 
So let's learn to live a lifestyle of it versus that supernatural gift that we're talking about. I put in the notes something to consider that reaching the lost is a man, it's not a good idea, it's a mandate. That's what it says in Matthew 28, 19. It's not just a good idea. So what I wanna do is I wanna walk through a passage of scripture that will hopefully give you some tools. It's actually a perfect model of how to live an evangelistic lifestyle that you can do each and every day if you're not already. And some of you already are. I mean, I, I know that you are. But that's out, it's out of Acts 3, and I'm gonna read this out of the Amplified. It says, now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour, three o'clock in the afternoon, when a certain man crippled from his birth was being carried along, who was laid each day at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, so that he might beg for charitable gifts from those who entered the temple. And when he saw Peter and John, hold on to that, he saw him. When he saw Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked them to give him a gift. Peter directed his gaze intently at him and so did John and said, look at us. And the man paid attention to them, expecting that he was going to get something from them. But Peter said, silver and gold, money I do not have, but what I do have, well, that I give to you. In the use of the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Then he took hold of the man's right hand with a firm grip and raised him up, and at once his feet and ankle bones became strong and steady. And leaping forth, he stood and began to walk, and he went into the temple with him, walking and leaping and praising God. There's a really old school song about that. And all the people saw him walking about and praising God, and they recognized him as the man who usually sat at the gate uh, begging for alms, I'm sorry, at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement, bewilderment and consternation over what had occurred to him. Now, while he still firmly clung to Peter and John, all the people in utmost amazement ran together and crowded around them in the covered porch. Man, that is a lot of words. And when we first look at that, it almost looks like, well, wait a minute, that's not, that's not a model of evangelism. That's a, that's a biblical account of a man that received his healing. But there's so much more here. There is a model here that we're gonna look at that we can apply to our lives each and every single day to reach people around us. So let's, let's look at the first part of that scripture, verses one through two. Uh, it says that, that now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer. It all starts with prayer. Everything starts with, with prayer. Pastor Don says that often, he says, Nothing happens without prayer. I've also heard him say, everything starts and ends with prayer. And we know that that was, that that was going on in their lives, that Peter and John lived a lifestyle of prayer because at three o'clock in their afternoon, they're going to a prayer meeting. So we gotta live a lifestyle of prayer because that's where it starts. But then we need to know what to pray. So how do we pray for this thing? How do we pray out evangelism in our lives so that we can reach those around us? Well, let me give you some things to pray. Number one, you need to ask for opportunities. Ask for opportunities. So ask God to give you opportunity to minister to those around you. Now, how do we see that in that text? It's real powerful. It says they were at the temple. Well, there was a shift that happened after Jesus went to heaven. And if you read 1 Corinthians 3, 16 and uh, 6, 19, it says that now you and I are the temple. 
So we can pray for those opportunities for God to bring those people into our lives because we are now the temple. So that's what we wanna pray. We wanna ask for those opportunities because we are the temple and we wanna keep those moments covered in prayer. And then the next thing that we wanna pray, we wanna pray for divine timing. We wanna pray for divine timing. Our text says that it was the ninth hour, three o'clock in the afternoon. There's another place in scripture where we see the ninth hour, three o'clock in the afternoon. And that's in Mark 15, 34 through 38. It's the account of Jesus on the cross. And it says that it happened at three o'clock in the afternoon. He paid the full price for the sin of all humanity. Three o'clock, the same exact time. It was a divine time. So we need to be praying for divine timing, that God is preparing those people and preparing us so that we step into their life. It's a three o'clock appointment so that they can encounter Christ. And then we want to pray for specific people. We want to pray for specific people. Our text says, when a certain man crippled from his birth. Now, Pastor Cody and I were talking about this today. That text actually says two things. It says that it was a certain man crippled from his birth. We are all crippled in sin when we're born. Every single one of us, the day that we were born, were crippled by the effects of sin, just like this man was. Uh, Romans 3.23 tells us that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. In Psalms 51.5, King David says, surely I was born in sin. We were all crippled by the effects of sin, just like this man. So we're just looking at the supernatural side of it. And, And it says a certain man. So that speaks of a couple of things. Number one, it speaks of specific people. A certain man, a specific man. So we can pray specifically for some people in our lives. Brothers, sisters, aunts, uncles, nephews, cousins, friends, coworkers, neighbors. Those are specific people that we can pray for on a daily basis that God will get into their lives and use us to spread the message of the gospel to them but then that text says something else. It says a certain man. It doesn't, it doesn't give us his name. So while we can pray for those that we know and we know their names, he remained nameless. We need to be praying that God will put us in the paths of certain people that we don't even know their name so that we can be his hands and feet in their lives. Let me give you an example of that. It's when you pull into the gas pump at the gas station And you see that gal sitting in her car, mascara smeared, running down her face. She's a certain specific person. And you can pray that God's using you in her life to go and show her the message of the gospel. It's that that man at Starbucks that you see every single time you go into Starbucks. But this time he looks different. This time he's sitting there with that hopeless look on his face. And since you've been bathing that thing in prayer, you can step out in faith and go speak to him. So pray for those specific people. 
I know that sometimes we can get knotted up about that. Can I tell you, here it is, I got a microphone, they call me a pastor. When God taps my shoulder and says, hey, I want you to go pray for that one, it still gets a little goofy in here for me too. Because I don't walk in the office of an evangelist. Those dudes, man, that's a whole different gift set. And I still have to fight those things and tell the enemy, man, shut up. I'm not listening to you. Because Isaiah 52, seven says, how beautiful on the mountain are the feet of them that bring good news. A message of salvation is what it says. I remember the man that was instrumental in my life and not once was I angry or upset with him for getting into my business and helping me meet Jesus. So you can always stand in that when the enemy hits you with that. You can go, no, 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 I'm not listening to that. <laughs> They're gonna welcome my feet because I've got good news and step out in faith. So now that we've set the stage for these appointments, by the way, we're gonna have one of those opportunities for prayer on Wednesday the 12th. Uh, Troy talked about it. Come join with us. We're gonna be praying for these appointments. We're gonna be praying for lost people to encounter God. You don't wanna miss it. So what do we do now? We gotta be on the lookout. We gotta be on the lookout. Uh, and in verse four it says, and Peter directed his gaze intently at him and so did John. I wonder how many times they passed by that guy. Our text says that he was there all the time. I wonder how many times they walked right by him, but this time they took a look around and they noticed who was standing around him. Ephesians 2.10 tells us that we are God's masterpiece created for good works, which God prepared beforehand. He actually placed good works in the fabric of time and then created us specifically as individuals to fulfill those good works. So in your, uh, if you're filling out your notes online, I want you to put something in there. In that first blank, I want you to put, I was created for good works. Make it personal. And those good works were placed in time by God for me to accomplish. They are there intentionally for you. So be on the lookout for those appointments. I'm gonna tell you real briefly about one that I had. Uh, several years ago, I worked three jobs, and one of the jobs that I worked was at a pet store that had big old 10 and 12 foot pythons. They were huge, man. We had one 20 footer that was just mean as a snake, no pun intended. Um, okay, maybe there's a slight pun intended. And for some reason, he had a hard time getting guys to come in there and handle them and clean them and feed them and to do all those things. And I'm like, man, I'll do it. You're gonna give me a dollar? I'm, I'm there. And on either Saturday or Sunday of every week, there was a young boy that would come in. His name was Charlie. And I'm gonna do my best not to get emotional. And Charlie would come in and you could tell by looking at him, he had cancer. And you could tell it wasn't good. All the signs, uh, very thin, very frail, very pasty skin, no hair, and you could see a port through his shirt. 
And I, every time I'd see him, I'd run out from the back and I'd high five him, what's up, Charlie? And I'd talk to his mom and through conversation, she told me it was terminal one time and she got to where she would bring him and just leave him there with me. And I would begin to, how crazy. <laughs> and every time he'd leave, I'd say, man, God, you need to do something about that. I can't wrap my brain around that. And I know that my Jesus died and paid a huge price so that that boy doesn't have to suffer in cancer. That's all I know, so do something. And I was praying that one Sunday because he was coming in and I saw him and I dropped the snake and I said that in my head and went out and as I was on my way to get to him, right after I said, you need to do something, God said something powerful to me. He said, if you'll lay hands on him, he'll receive his healing. And man, I couldn't get to him fast enough. But I didn't pay real close attention to what the Lord said. My heart was right. And appreciate that this is not just some random kid. We had relationships, so it wasn't some weird thing, all right? But I ran out and said, hey, Charlie, where's your mama? And he said, oh, she'll be right back. She went right over there. She's got to do something over there and shop and buy something else. I said, that's awesome because I got to talk to her about something. And she came in. And I said, hey, hey, I got great news for you. God just told me that if I lay hands on Charlie and pray for him, that'll heal him. And she called me a couple of names. And then she cursed my God. And she said, I don't want anything to do with him because he did this to my son. And I couldn't speak fast enough to help defuse that. She swept him up, left. And for the rest of my time at that pet store, I never saw him again. There's more to that story. We'll get there at the end. It was a divine opportunity. I kind of wasn't listening right. I hadn't spent enough time in prayer about it. And so I kind of stepped out on my own. God didn't tell me to go ask his mama for nothing. God told me to lay hands on that boy and he'd receive his healing. I messed it up, but my heart was right. So we gotta be on the lookout. The next thing we have to do is we have to show them their value by giving them hope and removing their shame. Show them their value by giving them hope and removing their shame. Verse four says that Peter and John said, look at us. They got down on that man's level. Now, how do I know? You're going, how do you get out of that that he was full of shame, that he had lost value, and that he didn't have any hopes? Real easy. It's in the text. It says he saw Peter and John coming. And that he asked them for money, but something happened when he asked them for money. You have any, any money? Can you spare any change? He turned and looked away because he was full of shame. He couldn't even look them in their eye. He had been so devalued in that culture. If somebody was in that position, then, then oftentimes the assumption and the accusation was made that they must have been living in sin and that's why they were in that condition. John 9, 2, the disciples asked Jesus about a blind man that he went, that he went to heal and they said, who sinned that, that this man is blind? Him or his mom and dad. So I wonder how many times people walked right by that guy, begging at the gate at the temple, and when he said, hey, 
could you help? They went, man, you deserve what you're in. Look, at, you're a sinner. You deserve that, and I'm not helping you. Might I say that every now and then we might get a little bumpy on that ourselves? When we see somebody, smells a little funny, dressed a little ragged, maybe they got tracks in their arms. Man, I'm not going to reach out to them. They deserve it. Look at what they've chosen. But instead, what we need to do is we need to give them value, hope, and remove their shame. Look what happened in verse 5. It says, and the man paid attention to them, expecting that he was going to get something from them. He paid attention, and he expected. All of a sudden, faith stirred in his heart because they took the time to get down on his level and say, you matter. And it got his attention. The next thing we need to remember is that we need to give them what they need, not necessarily what they want. You see, when, they're living, when we're living in flesh, we may think that what we need is money or another drug or another illicit relationship. We may think that those are the things that we need because, because we haven't encountered Jesus yet. And we have to remember to give them what they want, what they need, not necessarily what they want. It says, but Peter said, silver and gold, I don't have any, but I'm going to give you what I got. In the name of Jesus, get up and walk. They gave him what he needed. Guys, I'm going to shift real fast, so hold on. Remember that what lost people need is a relationship, not a resource. Lost people need a relationship, not a resource. So make the introduction. Psalm 103 tells us everything that broken humanity needs. It's a powerful scripture. I won't read through it. Go home and read it for yourself. It is powerful. And then we got to take them by the hand and help them up. Our text says, then he took hold of the man's right hand with a firm grip and he raised him up. Sometimes we got to roll up our sleeves and we got to step in the mess and we got to grab them by the hand and we got to help them up. It's what we're called to do. But here's the crazy thing. If you read the text, it says that as soon as he did that and, and got him up on his feet, that then instantly God restored his ankles and his feet and gave him strength. God's going to pour into them what they need to be able to stand on their feet. We just got to step out in obedience and help them get up on their feet. So don't forget to be willing to roll up your sleeves. Pastor, Pastor Cody preached two weeks ago about how sometimes it's inconvenient. And that's true. But man, I don't know about you. Somebody was willing to be inconvenienced for me. That's all I know. You know, Pastor Don often says, people matter to God. Isn't that why we do what we do? Because people matter to God. Did he not come, die, and rise again because people matter? Shouldn't we be part of that plan if we're following him? And a life transformed, transforms lives. A life transformed, transforms lives. We see in our text in verse 10, it says, and they were filled with wonder and amazement, bewilderment and consternation over what had occurred to him. It happens. The people around that individual will now get supercharged and their lives will be transformed too. It's multiplication. And then don't let go. 
Verse 11 says, now while he still firmly clung to Peter and John, I got to tell you that sometimes we're also guilty of not holding on. And I'm going to be real careful. I don't want to step on anybody's toes too hard. I've done it myself. We'll meet somebody, introduce them to Jesus, and then we say, okay, God bless you. I got to go. But we never walk them through the rest of that process, which is discipleship. If we don't introduce them to discipleship, they haven't learned how to walk yet. They don't know what steps to take. So we got to hold on to them. And the text actually says that he clung to them. That can be uncomfortable. But we've got to let them cling to us so that we can get them plugged into the life, love, and power of Jesus. We got to overlook the colorful language. We got to overlook the habits. We've got to overlook those things because what matters is helping them encounter Christ. Now I got to land the plane. And to do that, I want to go back to verse two. It says that the gate was called beautiful. And I got to tell you, when I read that, I must have read that passage a thousand times in my life. And I read it with fresh eyes two weeks ago. And man, when I read it, it wrecked me. I got to tell you, I'm just, I'm super tender. I've been marinating in the Holy Spirit now over this for two weeks. The gate called beautiful. It's this, it's this Greek word and it's horaios. I'm sure I'm saying it wrong. You got to speak like you got phlegm in your throat probably or something. Horaios. And here's, here's the word, it's, it's on the screen, yes, it's on the screen. It comes from this root word, aura, which means an hour, the time of fulfillment, properly, a particular hour, a season of time, beautiful in timing. Flowers are beautiful, but only during a certain time. That's the context of this word. When we step out, God has ordained and planned us to have these divine moments of opportunity where people encounter the temple of God, you and me. And when we introduce them to him, it's beautiful because it's in perfect time. That's what makes it a beautiful gate. Now I gotta tell you about Charlie. Because my heart was right, I wasn't disobeying God in that moment. About three years later, my wife and I were at the mall with our kids and we were shopping. And kind of over out of the corner of my eye, I see this, this couple of kiddos walking around. And uh, one of them reminded me of Charlie. And then I saw the mom and I'm like, the woman that I had met had a face creased with depression, anger, and pain. And this woman didn't look like that. So I started kind of getting a close, over there closer. I wanted to see them. And when I, when I got from here to probably the front row, he looked up and he smiled. And Charlie had this smile that could melt the polar ice caps. And I, was, I just went, oh my gosh, Charlie, it's you. And his mom turned and said something powerful. She turned and she went, I'm so sorry. She said, I gotta tell you what happened. I left that store and I was mad at you 
And I was mad at your God. And we went to a hobby store because now I had to find a new place for Charlie to hang out. You ruined the one thing he had that brought him happiness, coming and looking at those snakes on the weekends. And she said, I turned my back on him for just one second. And some man that we couldn't even find walked up to him, said, hey, God told me to do something really quick. And he knelt down and he grabbed Charlie and he prayed for him and Charlie was miraculously healed. And that family came to the Lord. Charlie got his divine appointment. So don't miss any of those divine appointments. We have one of those divine appointments coming up. We made it easy for you. Easter is coming and there is something supernatural about Easter. God makes sure that what his son did is on the hearts of every man and woman when Easter comes. I can prove it to you. Let me give you some of our numbers from last year. So last year, the Sunday before Easter, March the 20th, beautiful day, it's my birthday, we had 1,500 people in attendance. Now that's campus-wide, so that's kiddos, that's, that's everybody that breathes. And we had 25 salvations, that's awesome. That's a great number. Fast forward seven days, seven days, 2,700 people on campus. 83 salvations. The proof is in the pudding. There's something supernaturally charged in the atmosphere where people are ready and ripe for you to step out. You don't even have to tell them about Jesus. All you have to do is step out and go, hey man, you wanna go to church this Sunday? And they'll probably say yes. We were up 80% in attendance and salvations were up 223%. That's a big deal. So take advantage of those opportunities between now and Easter and look for those people that God has placed in your path that you can go, hey, you wanna go have a three o'clock appointment? Because God's gonna bring them. We hope that you enjoyed this message. You can find more messages and information about Tree of Life Church at treeoflifechurch.org. We'd like to invite you to come visit us at 5513 IH35 South in New Braunfels, Texas, or you can watch us on live stream. Thank you again for listening.